This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. My name's James Manning. I'm out at uh, Channel 9's Sydney HQ. We're in the um, Tom Malone. Where are we? This is the sports hut. The sports this is uh, the sports cottage, cottage, cottage isn't it? James, right. yep. Obviously, we spend all the money on the screen and not in the back offices. Uh, the salubrious surrounds of the sports cottage. A lot of history here, though, uh, on Scott Street, one of the famous Channel 9 cottages. So, um, yeah, welcome to welcome to yeah, Wild Now, sports. you're head of sport, director of sport. What's the, get the oh, title? Oh, director of sport, director I think, of sport, they yeah. say these days. Okay. Yeah. We've spoken to you before, of course, in your role at 60 Minutes. That's right. Before that, you did today. We That's probably right. talked to you then, too, I've got a feeling. Yep. Um, I'm in your office, mate. You've got some lovely Cricket Australia coasters we here, We do. Mate. We haven't updated those <laughs> do yet. The, do, do the, the free coaster supply stop now, will well, I'm not sure. You'll have to ask Cricket Australia. No, you know, it's uh, we had a great relationship with Cricket Australia and, and we will continue to do so. I yes. mean, the, we've got, um, we're just coming up in June, we have the five ODIs against England and the T20 against England. They're coming out of the UK back into Australia. How so many T20s are there? Just the one T20. Oh, one, yep. And yeah. they're exclusively on nine. Yep. And then... For the next five years, we have every ICC tournament, uh, T20 uh, and ODI World Cup, uh, that are men and women, um, out to 2023. Uh, that's in a, a simulcast arrangement with Fox Sports. And then um, and next year, of course, we are the exclusive rights holder to the Ashes out of the UK, which will be the first time Smith, Water and Bancroft will be eligible for test selection again. Well, not Bancroft, but Smith and Warner. So, I mean, we we are still heavily invested in cricket over the next five years. So the coasters still have a few years to run, James, that's for sure. So I guess you could almost boast then that you're probably going to have more primetime international cricket than seven will. Uh, be close I, anyway. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't done the, really the maths but on that. given the think... Indians aren't playing a... Um... A night test. There's one against Sri Lanka. Yeah. But then you're going to have a lot of primetime cricket next year, right, in winter. We will. I mean, we'll have... Because every if, test is well, yeah, primetime. It starts at 7.30. They're right. If, if they have 25 nights of, of primetime cricket. But I think the even looking beyond that longer term, we think, and this goes into the detail of this, the decision around tennis and cricket, but when I look at wide sports over the next five years, we are the home of rugby league, netball, premium cricket... Uh, tennis, and we have the Masters Golf as well. So um, I think if you – that's the way sort of we look at it at nine, and I think it goes to that point of when we had to make these decisions between tennis and cricket, which I know we, I don't want to jump ahead, but mm. when you look at cricket, you don't control who you play, when you play them, team performance or the weather, which are four pretty significant inputs into a you know, $100 million business. When you look at tennis, you get the top 256 players every year, last two weeks of January, 14 consecutive nights, and if it rains, you close the roof. Mm. So that was, that's really was, you know, came down to the, the crux of the decision that we made between tennis and cricket and why we opted uh, to go with tennis over cricket in the first instance. I want to cover all your sports, but because you've got a bit of other stuff too, but let's, let's just finish the cricket chat. Yeah. Would you have because you how fair dinkum were you going for cricket after you already had the tennis? Oh, we were still fair dinkum. Obviously, it made and it harder after we got tennis. It made it harder, but we were still in a joint venture with Channel Ten, and we were still a supportive partner of that joint venture, and we were still keen to retain Test match cricket. Now, uh, you could have managed both in the schedule, presumably, you, given you, the 
Open's just two weeks, really. That's right. It's an important two weeks, but it's still two weeks. That's right. The Australian Open's two weeks. There's some other lead-up events which are important as well, but there there would have been a way to manage both Test Match Cricket and and the Australian Open Tennis in the one schedule. Uh, It would have been uh, a hard deal to do financially, but we could have stretched to it. Um, And then you would have really had to then... um, double down on your revenue to make it work from a business point of view. So it made it harder. We were still keen to retain Test Match Cricket, uh, but not at any price. Uh, so in the end, the price just became too much for to make business sense for us. And, you know, I think that's one of, been one of the sort of the leading um, uh, lights of Hughes, uh, Marx's tenure here at Nine has been, we've got to make decisions in the best interest of the business and what's in the best interest of the business going forward. And certainly that's why we went for tennis. We knew it would make cricket harder. Um, we still hung in there on cricket as much as we could, but in the end it didn't make sense for the business. Mm. And as you say, you had the already had the tennis, so it wasn't as if you're going to be left without anything, plus a whole lot of your international cricket. That's already. right. Yes. Um, Shane Warne was talking this morning about um, he nearly came close to staying with Nine before he decided to sign with uh, Fox Sports. Would you have had plenty for him to do if he wanted to stay with Nine? Oh, yeah, we would have had bits and pieces. I mean, we will, as I said, we've still got premium cricket for the next five years, so we still have quite a bit of cricket on Nine, uh, as well as... Cricket makes up a big part of your news and current affairs cycle across Today Show, 6pm News, digitally on widewatersports.com.au. So there still would have been uh, plenty of work for him to do. But, you know, the truth is if you want, if you wanted to call live cricket in Australia, well, then he needed to go to either Fox or Seven. So it was really a decision for him between... Once he decided he wanted to call cricket, it was really a decision between Fox and Seven as opposed to staying with Nine. Have you got a um, – is your budget going to look a lot better this year without the cricket? I mean, do, <laughs> well, do you, do you... I don't know if mine personally will look better. <laughs> I, I, I fear my bosses will probably take most of it back, James. But, yes, I think there will be so a – there's not um, a float sitting there that, that you'll get to spend on? No, I don't know. It's sort of – it's like, you know, um, it's, it disappears pretty right. quickly. So um, any money that's allocated to cricket obviously goes back into decision-making process that, that Hugh and the senior exec, executive team make around what's the best way to spend that money and – um, obviously, some are, well, some would go to consolidated savings. Some goes to the bottom line. Some might go into other programming. I, I'm not sure. That's up for Hugh and the programmers to make that decision. There's a lot of hype, isn't there, around when the negotiation period? You know, stories appear and people say one thing, seem to do another. And is it ever hard for you guys when you when you when you're in the midst of it all to keep a grip on what's happening? Or I think I think uh, during we talked about this during the course of the uh, of the process. And, you know, I think a lot of these things can be mythologised, really. I mean, in the end, it's just another deal and you have to set up the parameters for what you think's best for your business, what you can afford to pay for something, what revenue you can write off the back of it and if there are other strategic benefits. And when if you look at it through that prism and take any emotion or excitement out of it, it's actually it's, it's pretty simple. Um, it's just another deal. So, but... Obviously, being media and being sports rights, people like to write about it and speculate on it, and so that happens, and that's part of it. Um, but in the end, it's it's pretty straightforward. Mm. 
So I guess you have some legal people, there's yourself, there's Hugh Marks. Does sort of sales come into it all and oh, yeah. with their sort of projections and we had and a, if they're told, okay, have another look at this and see if there's anything you know we could work it harder? That or was one of, the, one of the really exciting parts of the process uh, for me was the team that we put together. You know, we really had a sports rights team working for the best part of six months. Uh, and that involves some great people at Nine. Rachel Launders, our general counsel, Alexi Baker from Strategy, Sam Brennan from Sales, myself, and then um, and obviously uh, then we had Jeff Dyer from Programming, Luke Delahaye, who does a lot of our sort of commerce and uh, projections there, Brent Williams, our head of cricket, Georgia Carter, who supports Alexi and Strategy. So that was like there were eight of us in this working group, really, and then we would meet fortnightly and we'd, whether it be for an hour or two hours, and we'd update each other's models. And so there was so much, so much modelling that went into it. So drawing from all assets of the business to make sure that we were delivering to Hugh and the board the best decision that could be made. And that was, it was a great part of the process because you obviously become close to those people from other parts of the business, which is great through that process. But also there was, you know, from our point of view, we were really proud of the discretion that we had through that process, um, you know, because, and you can see that by when we bought tennis, it really came as a surprise to everyone, including a lot of people here at Channel 9, <laughs> because it was a really tight-knit group that worked on this thing really hard and wanted to make sure that uh, that we were following the best possible process to get the best outcome for 9, and, and that's what we achieved, and that's something everyone in that group is really proud of. What's left for you to sort out for cricket? I guess you're still working on who you'll retain to, to call the games and uh, yeah, well, or will there be, you need a smaller team because you can utilise maybe some of that UK? Yeah, there's not, there's not a huge requirement for live calling on our coverage anymore. So, for example, these upcoming matches out of England, we will most likely take the Sky commentary. Okay. We'll do local hostings but mm -hmm. take the Sky commentary. All the ICC events have a great host broadcast production that you can take again. And then the Ashes next year, we need to make a decision around that, um, whether we do our own production or, again, whether we take Sky's uh, world feed commentary of that. So there's not a huge requirement in terms of live commentary, um, but there is, a, um, there is a, a requirement around cricket content for our digital and our news and our sports magazine shows around. And so, you know, whether we retain one or two people to help in the facilitate that production. It's the new world, isn't it? I guess um, back in the old days, you'd send a full team to cover anything anywhere, I guess. But uh, these days, you've really got to look at the uh, financials. And if someone's already got a good team doing it, do we really need to duplicate that? Well, exactly, and I think, um, and I think the teams as well that are, are working on usually these international cricketers. Everyone they're knows, less they? like Warney will most likely be commentating for Sky on the Ashes next year. Yeah. So you will hear Warney on Nine through the Sky commentary team. So they're all the things you evaluate when you look at the cost benefit of doing something yourself or working with another broadcaster to maybe add an Australian element to their commentary that they'd benefit from, and you would as well. Hmm. I guess you're probably. Um know as much as a lot of people about what Fox Sports might do with their Fox Cricket Channel, but do you think it'll be much different? Maybe a few less ads than what you, <laughs> yeah. what you guys well, are doing. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I you know that's up to Fox Sports. I, mean, I think they'll do a good job. Um, you know, Steve Crawley's a is, is a great producer, and 
Uh, I'm sure they will do a great job with their cricket broadcast. Um, you know, they've assembled a good team. So, you know, we, we really wish them all the best. I mean, we work with Fox Sports on a lot of things and there's a lot of goodwill between Channel 9 and Fox Sports. So, um, and I, you know, they've picked up Warney, who's terrific, and they're assembling a, a good team. Um, less ads, uh, sure. It, I think, you know, cricket was initially sort of um, evolved by Kerry Packer from an eight ball to a six ball over so you could get more ads in. And I don't, I think ads on cricket are something that people have become accustomed to. So I don't think that's a, you know, huge, huge issue. Um, but, uh, but, you know, obviously we'll all see what happens this summer. Just, just generally the moment before we get into tennis, the, that whole ads on um, free-to-air TV issue has become a bit of a, a talking point the last year or two with the, as a lot of people now are viewing a lot of TV completely ad-free with, you know, on standby, uh, on demand and um, streaming. Mm. Is that, do you think about that? When, I mean, obviously a lot of your rugby league coverage is, you don't like to interrupt that, do you, during play and you're very careful with your ad placement. Is it a concern? Uh, we, you know, we, we, are, we are considered with, you know, how we commercialise our live sport. Uh, with rugby league, we tend to take breaks uh, after the conversion for a try, where the players are just walking back to the halfway line, so you're not missing any live play. Um, you know, in terms of tennis, there are natural breaks at changes of ends and breaks changes of sets. Um, and in netball, there are timeouts and quarters. So I think you work with the sport to identify the best possible times to take commercials. And it's, I mean, this is this is nothing new. I mean, look at AFL are probably the most advanced in Australia with their TV timeouts after every goal in America, basketball do it, NFL do it. They have actually have designated breaks. Whereas it doesn't matter if there's a break in play or not. They just take a break for, for TV commercials. So it's part and parcel of what we do as a broadcaster working with the sport. Is it a concern um, from a viewer's point of view? I think we do it in a, in a, in a pretty good way. That's palatable to them. Um, and obviously, it's the one thing that really holds up the economic model of sports rights. So it's really important, not only to the broadcaster, but to the sports federation and then to the players, because they're all intrinsically linked as part of this um, commercial value that we're able to derive back from the sport. OK, uh, talk about the tennis. You said it was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people, including some people at nine. Yep. Do you think it was much of a surprise to seven? Uh, well, I'm... I, I, I and mean, it seemed to, to be just looking from a distance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I would imagine it was... Um, there was an element of surprise there. I mean, we were in a pretty confidential process with Tennis Australia, which we were keen to maintain. So, um, because, you know, the last thing we want to do is to is to get into situations where you're, where you're pitting people against each other. So, um, but you'd have to ask Seven that. I mean, mm. we, we weren't sort of... We didn't know the process from their side of the fence. We sure. know Tennis Australia ran a very transparent process and Seven were given plenty of opportunities along the way. Um, but I think it wasn't just about value um, in terms of money. It was about all the other things that our businesses align on. That was pretty exciting. You know, Hugh Marks has restructured our business around new sport, entertainment and lifestyle. And Tennis look at their business, not just as a tennis tournament, but they've got these other three pillars of food, music, and kids. And I'm not sure if you've been down there recently, but you know they had more than a million visitors through the gate this year. I mean, it's incredible. It's almost like the tennis is just something that happens mm. at this festival. <laughs> That's how big the festival is. So, 
our business has really lined up well uh, along those key pillars and there is certainly a lot of growth that we can achieve together which is where a lot of the a lot of the initial momentum for the deal came from and then as we started looking at it more closely with each other both sides got fairly excited about the things we can achieve together I always like comparing these things to a, a house auction, you know, where you, if you're interested in a property, the last thing you want to do is go and go and show your hand too early and tell everybody, yeah, I'm going to buy this joint and, you know, pay what it takes and all that. And you seem to play that, that um, negotiation very well with the tennis. There wasn't a lot of chat about, oh, nine's, you know, really after the tennis and they're going to go in and grab it. And, and it was done sort of, you know, to me as an onlooker quite smartly. Was that a bit of a strategy that you just didn't want to make it too public? Oh, yeah. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I think, um, yeah, we, we like most of our business or nearly all of it, you know, we're not trying to run it through a public process or run it through a um, through the through the media, even though we're part unlike, of the media. I know, it's, some, I, know, <laughs> I know it's fun to read and write and talk about, but mm. ultimately it's about getting the best deal done and that usually requires some discretion and, and, um, and working closely with people. So I think, um, I think you know, we were all pretty proud of, as I said earlier, proud of that, the process that we ran internally at Nine and then how we also engaged with tennis uh, when, uh, when the time uh, came for us to engage with them. So it's, um, there's quite a while to go, though, before you get the rights. Is That's it, right. Should we assume that Seven will be keeping it Next summer, is there still a chat? Well, again, it's another. Can I ask you if you've had a chat at all? Oh well, I think there's with them about potentially. No, not not directly. I right. mean, I think um, uh, you know, I think Seven have said. I, I think you know, Tim Warner said at the Macquarie conference do, no. that they're keen to hang on to both. So, um, you know, that's really a decision for Seven to make uh, in terms of how they want to structure their um, mm-hmm. their. Um, Would you be interested if, if they reached out? I think there's, I, there's, you know, there is an opportunity there for nine to take tennis a year early. Um, if the price is right and if the timing's right, you probably wouldn't want to go much later than this month to decide on that because it's, there are... There's a whole, bit of work to do, isn't there? Yeah, yeah not just around production, but from commercialisation. Um, so there's a, there's a whole lot of work to do. But, you know, I think um, we'd be interested, but, you know, it has to be on the right terms. And, you know, if, if, that, doesn't, if that doesn't occur, well, you know, there's... Probably a, you, you look at the benefits to nine. Then, well, there's a, probably a, a, a bigger financial benefit in the FY um, nineteen, um, and there is also a chance to have a look at what does happen when you don't have a summer sport. Hmm. Everyone's now this sort of goes against me and my job, but every, the considered paradigm is you need a summer sport. Well, hmm. has anyone tested it? What what sure. does happen? And Married at First Sight is the, the hit show, and will be again in, in February. We'll probably go and spend some of that money if we don't have a summer sport on on marketing, off network, um, and then see how we go. So I think um, there'll be some other programming ideas probably that Hugh and the team have. But um, you know, I think it's for for nine. We look at it and probably think we're in a win win either way. We either get the tennis a year early uh, at the right price and the right terms, or um, or we have a chance to do something different for a year, knowing that we're getting tennis a year later anyway. I should have checked this before I ask you here, but do you get Fed Cup and um, yes. Davis Cup? Yes, yeah, so it's all part of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's all part of the package. Well, that's so, quite a lot of tennis, right? Yeah, there's the Brisbane International, Sydney mm. International, uh, Hopman Cup, Cup, Australian Open, Fed Cup, Davis Cup, 
there's also some uh, smaller tournaments in Hobart and Adelaide as well. So uh, it's all part of the of the rights package. It really is. It's the summer of tennis. Is there opportunity there to sort of pump up that Australia's competition in the Davis Cup and the Fed Cup? Because it's it's been, you know, it's been off the radar for quite a while, probably because Australia hasn't performed that well as part of it, I guess, yeah. in the last few years. But do you think there's an opportunity to, to do a bit better there? Definitely. And you know, I think, we, you know, there are, when you look at some of the players that, you know, people talk about coming through, especially in the, well, the men and the women, uh, especially in the men, you know, there's an opportunity there for probably uh, a bit of a renaissance in terms of the Davis Cup. And I think the Fed Cup, you know, will, Australia will have an upswing there as well. Um, some of that comes down to scheduling, which we'll work with Tennis Australia on. Um, but I think we're also excited about the impact of um, what we can do in Brisbane, Sydney and Hopman to lift the profile of tennis earlier in the summer so that when you get to the Australian Open that you're, you're ready to go. So that's what we're excited about as well. Mm. And... A long, you've got plenty of time to worry about commentators and stuff like that, mate. Yes. Is, is James Bracey going to be one of the faces of the tennis? Oh, mate? Well, Can I, you give me an early tip? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, you know, I hope I hope James will play a role there. Um, in, in some regard, I think we'll be looking to assemble, um, you know, the best team for the Australian Open. Um, James is obviously a great broadcaster across our rugby league properties. We're conscious of having a strong Melbourne influence as well. It's a great Melbourne event, and Melbourne should be you know, well represented in the broadcast as well. And then internationally, we want to make sure we've got the best commentators and experts on analysis. I mean, that's a key pillar of why Water Sports is the best seat in the house. Um, and part of that comes through your commentary team. You know, that we, we try to only have the the best experts be whatever it's sport it is, commentating on the game. The way the um, landscape's sort of progressing at the moment, tennis is what's still 18 months away, Digital is going to be a massive part of it by then. I mean, it already is, but mm. the way habits are changing. Um, now, you have digital, don't you? You can. We have what? exclusive rights um, across all platforms. Yeah. So, again, this was another u- unique part of the deal that we were able to say to tennis. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we were able to say to tennis uh, the way for us going forward over five years, the only way to be able to adapt in the short term to any changes in consumption is if you own the rights across all platforms. And if you look at, I suppose, how sports rights deals have evolved even in the last three years, um, I think you'd find probably three years ago, Seven and Fox and Nine were happy to incorporate a mobile rights partner like Telstra or Optus, whereas going forward we're probably less likely to do that up front because we want to have greater ability to control how the... Uh, the sport is consumed and I think you're seeing a trend from uh, big screen to any size screen and probably a trend from long form to short form and so the only way you can capitalise on that and get your return on investment is if, is to control those rights no matter the platform and no matter the duration. Was that one of the sticking points at all with the, the cricket deal that you... Um you never had total digital rights, did you? I think it was one of the sticking points to the old deal, but I, yeah. I mean, going forward, but, I, I mean, we haven't really seen the great detail of how it's shaken out. But and there's still, it's I think it's a JV. I think with Fox and um, I think so. And I, but Australia, I think Fox no, but, have exclusive digital rights. I'm not sure if Seven yeah, have streaming. No, rights I don't think Seven rights. haven't got anything, which surprised me. But then again, Seven told me Tim Warner said on that day they were announced that look, they just it wasn't financially. Um, and he'd been a big advocate of, look, we've got to have digital and everything, but he said this one, we just couldn't, you know, make it work financially. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for Tim or mm. Channel 7, but I know in our business we look at it all and think we have to have all rights across all platforms because we're a, we're pursuing an anytime, anywhere, anyhow strategy. Uh, and whether it's broadcast or linear or mobile or digital or social, it doesn't matter the platform. That's just a distri distribution model. You've got to own the right to exploit the content no matter the distribution model. So that's how we look at it. Um, and I think that was that was something that was going to evolve out of the old cricket contract into the new one, and obviously that's what Fox has done with with Cricket Australia. So, um, and I guess we'll see more detail of that as it emerges. Sure. Let's um, cover off some of your other sports. Your single biggest sport, I guess, is NRL. Would, would that be right? Is that your? Yes, it would be yeah. NRL. I mean, in terms of um, content and, and hours, um, uh, and those massive Queensland year. and New South Wales audiences in the huge audiences yeah. for Origin. So, start of Origin coming up, starting June six in Melbourne, uh, which is really exciting to be going back there. Obviously, Cam Smith announcing his retirement puts more interest into the game. Uh, could be Billy Slater's last Origin series. So, you know, already Thurston and Cronk. And Smith are now retired. Billy's got one more series, maybe longer, but it's the coming to the end of a Queensland era. You've got Freddie Fitler coaching the Blues. He's going to pick this baby Blues team, everyone's saying. Who knows? That'll be intriguing. Um, but there is no other sporting franchise like it, State of Origin. I mean, three nights, three, you know, this, this year we go Wednesday, then we go a standalone Sunday in Sydney, then we go a Wednesday in Brisbane. Expands eight weeks. We had a Sunday origin. We have had before. One last I think. Year uh, no, this is the first one in a long while. The last okay. one was maybe ten or twelve years right. ago. But uh, that's the new setup for the next five years: Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. What Across, would you prefer? Well, well, we like the origin, sta the standalone. Well, Sunday night's usually the biggest night of the week, as you know, mm. James, with TV audiences. So the fact that you're putting Origin into a Sunday, hopefully, will give you a, a lift on the you audience. Take it on any night, I guess. Yeah, well, any <laughs> night doesn't really matter. You're right, but across the you know, across the three Origins, you know, last year we reached 10.2 million Australians. I mean, it's extraordinary. So we're really excited about that. And then you come out of Origin and we go the run home to the finals, where we had the Saturday night matches on nine, and then we go into the finals. So it's a um, it's it, rugby league is getting bigger and bigger every year for us. There's no doubt about that. And when you look then at all the digital rights we've acquired from from this year and the streaming long form, short form, it's yeah, it's big. How are the TV ratings this year? They don't look spectacular. Just if you look cold at the overnight TV numbers, mm. which I know you've got to take a lot of factors in. But how how's it going? Yeah, no, it's interesting to look at. I think uh, overall uh, we're down 5% on rugby league. But Which, that's just on the overnights for the traditional TV. That's, that's combining or, Thursday, Friday and Sunday. Okay, but not factoring in any streaming audiences or anything no, like that, a, right? No, not Yeah, so this is just, you're yep. right, sorry, just on the yep. Oztam linear broadcast. Um, Sydney's holding about steady. Brisbane's down a bit. So you put that down to the Broncos aren't travelling, probably how we need them to be for Brisbane ratings. Uh, but then also compare that with AFL, I think you'll find AFL on seven in Melbourne is down about 12 or 13%. So it's not just rugby league. I think there's um, this year so far, there's been a trend against some of this live sport. Um, not a trend. I think it's probably an well, anomaly. Different ways of viewing must be part of it too. Part though, of it. it. I think Telstra is having great results on its apps for AFL and NRL. And what, what I alluded to before, you've got to own all the rights on all platforms. Uh, we're building up nine now, which is great. We're seeing huge numbers on wildwatersports.com.au. Um, you know, we've had to reset the targets twice in the last six months because they're just going so far past them. 
uh, because we've acquired all the digital content. So there are different ways for people to consume it and um, you just need to make sure that you're commercialising them no matter how they're consuming it. So overall, NRL, yeah, we'd like it to be better. It's a, Sydney's holding about steady. Uh, Brisbane's down mainly because of the Broncos. Um, it's nothing you're not seeing different, I suppose, in AFL, which is, is probably suffering more than the NRL. But then we'll kick into Origin and we've got that huge platform around Origin. So overall, we're, we're in pretty good shape. Tom, when a big star... Um comes out and says, oh, we're going to retire either from just Origin or from the game in general, do you sit back in your chair and curse and go, oh, damn? Because um, it's a lot of it star-driven, isn't it? I mean, you... Oh, yeah, I mean, with you know, with rugby league, like most sports, you're promoting tribalism, be it your club or your state, and heroes, be it Cam Smith or JT or, you know, so they're the things that you use to promote, but then you go through a, a, a rebuilding phase or, a, or to bring up new stars, and that's our challenge. And I think Australians have shown how like how much they love adopting new stars. I mean, look at the response to Nathan Cleary, the halfback from Penrith in the last 18 months. No one knew who he was 18 months ago. Now he's vying for origin selection, and people love watching him play. So you, while, you, while you look at it and think, yep, okay, well, he's on his way out, it's... It's nothing new that hasn't happened in the last 20 years as you cycle through stars, they go through a natural uh, life cycle and then other stars are coming up underneath them and then you work with them to build them up. So it's all part of the uh, the sport, really. Mm. Netball's been another big focus for out here at Nine. You've put it your second year of your deal, I think, and yes. you're, yeah. you're a partner in the league, which yep. is um, unusual, but it's probably the way things are going to go in the future, you yeah? Yeah, I think it's interesting with uh, with netball. We've been really excited about our relationship with Netball Australia. Um, you know, we were able to, uh, well, nearly two years ago now, form a relationship with them that puts us as partners in the game in terms of we go to market together. I think you and I have spoken about this before and we sell a joint sponsorship and broadcast proposition. And I think that's a really important thing going forward as uh, trends between sponsorship and then um, consumer-facing marketing uh, a change within big organisations. Um, and what we've been able to do is grow not only the ratings, but the revenue coming into the sport. And we've been able to adapt quickly. So last year, we were playing two games on GEM on a Saturday night in prime time. And then we thought, this is actually going to get a better result for everyone if we can move it to the main channel on an afternoon. So it's now three o'clock Saturday afternoon, one o'clock Sunday afternoon. We've this seasons move from February start to April start which is more in line with when the participants are playing all around all around Australia 1.2 million of them and as a result we're tracking up 48% year on year on ratings so which is a phenomenal so you know we're really excited about a netball um, it's a great property for nine to be involved in uh, and the nature of the arrangement with netball Australia is exciting too it's innovative in terms of the business side of it so uh, we're excited about it for all those reasons. It's really good to be part of. How many weeks is the season? Is it it a... runs, uh, it's a 14-week season with three weeks yeah. of finals. So overall, it runs 17 weeks. There's quite a bit of international component as well, though. So off the back of that, there's a quad series, uh, which involves England, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, which runs for a few weeks. Then there's a Constellation Cup with New Zealand, which there are four matches over three weeks. Then they have a break. Then there's another quad series in January, which comes out of England. So there's there's a there's quite a bit of international netball. Obviously, the Com Games are on this year. Uh, next year, there's the Netball World Cup. So you'll find there's always some um, other netball outside of just SunCorp Super Netball that's uh, there to consume. 
So I guess anybody who watched um, some of that netball from the Com Games, some amazing matches there, some incredible results, um, very close, um, would have helped promote. And you probably pulled in a few new viewers who maybe weren't um, weren't on board. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that was we, we designed obviously the, this season. We thought, well, let's put it on the back of the Com Games. There'll be interest in netball, which is great. Um, and I think. You're seeing some. I think England beating Australia. A lot of those players have been playing the last couple of years in Australia in the SunCorp Super Netball. I mean, it is the best league in the world, so it's helping England, which is great. That's great overall for competition. I think. Also, you look. New Zealand got beaten a couple of times. I think by Malawi and Jamaica. I think, um, and I think, um, or maybe it was South Africa. And but again, that's being impacted by SunCorp Super Netball. So a lot of these players are getting exposure to a greater league helps us locally have the best league. It also helps when they go back to their countries, lift their other fellow countrywomen around playing a better brand of netball. So it's really a win-win for the sport. You're throwing a fair few resources at it. You've got separate commentary teams for Sydney-Melbourne matches, is that right? And and you see people popping up like Jane as a party, who you'd know from the news, or yep. Weekend Today, there she is, and then, and people from, from other sort of other departments and news cropping up doing the netball. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the, our news and current affairs team is, you know, the best in the business and Darren Wick does a great job with that and we work pretty closely and he's very supportive of uh, some of his news presenters getting exposure in, in sport. Uh, they do a great job. I mean, they do so much live TV now news um, that it's not really too different for them and they're passionate about it, um, which is exciting. And the other benefit internally for us is that, we're exposing news people to netball, then they're taking the good story of netball back into the newsrooms or back into the Today Show, be it Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Warren Treadrow in Adelaide, who, you know, is a great football player from Port Adelaide, is now hosting our netball in, in Adelaide, which, again, when he goes back into the Adelaide newsroom, there's a rub-off effect there. So it's deliberate part of the strategy um, internally uh, to have get as many people from nine involved in netball as possible. Is there um, anything on your to-do list you'd like to have a crack at? <laughs> you've, you've sorted out the cricket, you've, you've got the tennis, but you've got a bit of breathing space there before. Is there any sort of other bits and pieces or any other sport out there that you, you look at and think, mm, I wonder, you know? I think we'll always look at things as they come up. I think the challenge is you probably look at the four tier one sports in Australia, a rugby league, AFL, cricket and tennis. And then outside of those, I mean, even with those, you really need to rework the model um, going forward. But outside of those, anything else that comes up, you say, well, how can we do this better or smarter or work with the Sporting Federation to get a better commercial return for everyone? I think that's something that you'll constantly look at as different sports rights become available. Um, as I said, I, uh, I said towards the start, I look at Wildwater Sports for the next five years, and I think rugby league, uh, netball, tennis, premium cricket and we've got the masters golf as well and they're our rights and then how are we going to get the best return on all of those i mean that's the challenge for us as well um so and that a lot of that then comes through innovation and through digital and how are we going to be smartest about that uh, to make sure that we're creating all of this great content and then getting the best return through all of the distribution platforms a-League and rugby or Super Rugby seem to be at the crossroads. Um, maybe not as much as the hype suggests they are, but they. you got any thoughts on those? Do you think they'll, um, they'll continue to find a, you know, a home on uh, TV? Do you think they'll grow? I think that, I, well, it, 
there's always be a home on TV, whether it's free to air TV or subscription TV is the is the challenge, I suppose, because and this is always the um, this is always, I suppose, the, the the dilemma that faces a sporting federation. You're more likely to get a bigger rights fee from a subscription television service because they have a different um, uh, commercialization model than you mm. will from a free to air. But if you want to go to 100% of households and grow your audience reach and engagement, then you need to be on free to air. So it's about getting the, that balance right. And there is there are ways for everyone to work together. Um, so I'm not sure if we've, anyone's got the balance on that right yet. It's obviously harder than with sports like A-League um, and Rugby Union um, to make them work on free-to-air uh, because um, because of the nature of the sports. They're not – well, A-League's national, but, it's, you know, they're, they're obviously much better leagues around the world in terms of stars, and we were talking about that earlier, about stars and how they impact and tribalism. Um, and Rugby Union's got its own, obviously, structural issues at the moment. They've probably spread themselves too thin too quickly. Um, but it's not to say that these sports can't be great once again. Um, they all can be. It's, mm. But it's about probably setting a longer-term goal than a shorter-term goal, and that is hard for a, a probably a, an executive team to come to grips with because they're mainly incentivised against short-term goals, not long-term goals. Do you need to stay close when you're a rights holder with the organisation? I mean, do you do oh, you have definitely. someone whose job it is like to work with the NRL and yeah. report back to you? Is that oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I you know I stay in pretty regular contact with. Or is that your job? Is that well? There's, it happens across all levels. I mean, you know, through they, they become a satellite part of your business. You know, like uh, Hugh and I engage regularly with you know Todd Greenberg and Peter Beatty, You know, Andrew Abdo, the commercial officer as well. Then he's with our head of sales, Matt Granger, our publicity teams, our marketing teams. Everyone's in such close alignment. And then I do, I mean, there's uh, Simon Fordham's, our head of rugby league here. He's, you know, he's got a probably, I think, a regular weekly catch-up. But there's a constant flow of information, discussion, engagement, because you all have to be working together to make it work. It's It has to be a partnership. And I think the NRL are pretty good at that, you know. I mean, they, they always have us front of mind, which is great. And and we like working with them. They're a good team. Um, obviously, everyone has their challenges. We do as well. But you you work through all those at the same time. I mean, that's what partnerships about, right? You, you sure. agree on some things, disagree on others, and, and work through them. Yeah. All right. Look, I, I better let you alone and uh, get on with your day, mate. Is there uh, any predictions about uh, how will Origin go this year? Is it going to be a bit closer? Oh, do you think? I don't know. There's plenty of people that know more about rugby league than I do. Come so, on, you must have an idea. As long as we're going to Queensland with the decider, James, I'll be very happy. <laughs> so as long as it goes to three, <laughs> yes, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful stuff. Yeah. All right, uh, Tom. Look, always great to catch up with you, okay. mate. Um, great to see you, James. Good luck when we uh, we'll be watching the cricket from overseas. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, James. <laughs>